you doing? Right? We come here every week. We learn about the Bible. We learn about what's going on. But what, but what, what now? I mean, okay, I learned. I got it. I understand. I know what you're saying. But what, what now? And I, I was thinking about that this week, and I entitled the sermon, uh, Now What? And, uh, and I was thinking about Mary because, you know, we, 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 we go through the... I'm kind of a skeptic by nature. So when I read the scripture, I'm usually questioning everything I read. Not questioning is, you know, is it God's word or not, but it's just why are they saying it that way? Why didn't they say this? And when I look at the, the, the Christmas story, it's awesome. You see all this kind of stuff going on. I mean, imagine your life if an angel of the Lord appeared to you tonight and said, oh, by the way, you're pregnant by the Holy... Well, for the guys, you're just like, wow, that would be bizarre. But, you know, you're, you're, you're a girl and you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I mean, what? Really? I mean, what, what do you do with that? And so this is what Mary had to go through. I mean, we celebrate Christmas and we buy gifts. She had to go through like... I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, that's bizarre. And, and so what do you do with that? And so they, they go and they, they get to Bethlehem. You guys all know the story. I'm not telling you. You're like, you worked all week on this. Fantastic. Uh, but they go to Bethlehem and they have the baby. And we know the story. And the angel appeared to the shepherds. And the wise men came in. And, and it was awesome. I mean, we, we love this. I, I love celebrating this. Well, I love being reminded why Jesus came. But the baby is born. Now what? I mean, they have this baby, <laughs> you know? It's like uh, the Mills. I don't know if you know this, but Aaron and Mindy Mills had their baby yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, it was very cool. And so they got the baby now, you know? It's like, you've been waiting. When do you do? What's going on? Oh, my gosh, you're showing. This is great. You know, you are pregnant, right? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, you know, because you always have to make sure first. And, and you know, the, so the baby comes, and, and okay, now you got a baby. And so when you begin to read the story of what happens after Jesus is born, you realize there is a lot of time that goes by after these miracles and angels speaking and all this kind of stuff where it's like, okay, we have the baby, now what? And Mary and Joseph did what any other parent would do that has a baby, except it's Jesus that's with them. And so uh, an angel appears to them and they have to flee because, you, you know, the, the, the king wants to get rid of all the babies. They think that a new king has been born. So they go to Egypt and they show up in, e in Egypt. I don't know if you knew that part of the story, but they end up in Egypt. And so there they are. Well, now what? Well, you do what any other family does. You find a place to live and Joseph probably found some work to do, or maybe the gifts of the Magi were like so good, they left, lived off that for a while. I, don't, I have no idea. But they did whatever, what any other family would have done that just showed up in Egypt and had to live there, except they had Jesus with them. And then they come out of Egypt, and they come back into Israel, and, and they get, they, 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 Joseph is a little scared about some stuff, so he moves uh, to Nazareth, and he has to find a place. What, what do you do when you move? What do we all do when we move? We find a place that we think is going to work for our family, and then we live. They did what, what every other family does, except they had Jesus. 
And then uh, if you read uh, in Luke, it gives a great story about when Jesus is about 12 years old and they go into Jerusalem and they worship and they split and they leave Jesus behind, right? I don't know if you remember that story, but you can, you can imagine, okay, so before you come down on Mary and Joseph, <clears throat> if Jesus is your kid, you probably don't spend too much time like, where is he? You know, if you've got, if you have a, some other children, in your life, like for me, I better know where my son is all the time. But if, he, if you got Jesus, you know, it's kind of, they, I'll bet they were going away. And have you seen Jesus? And Joseph probably looked at her and went, uh, yeah, I'm real worried, right? He's probably, you know, leading someone to him. I don't know. No, anyway, but, you know, it's, it's like, it's like you, they just didn't worry about him. But they get away and all of a sudden Mary's starting to go, you know what? I, I really can't find him. I really, I don't know where he is. So what does she do? She does what every other parent would do, except she's looking for Jesus. She goes back to the synagogue, and there he is, and people are tripping out over him. He's asking questions that a 12-year-old shouldn't a- ask, and they come up to him, and, you know, she's upset. Where, where have you been? What are you doing? And he said, you know, I'm, 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 I was in my father's house. Where, where do you think I'd be? Well, he didn't say it like that. He probably said it like, you know, most gracious mother. I, but he, he says, I, I, that's where I was. Now listen, here's what I want you to get, okay? Because it says, when, when, when all these things began to happen to Mary, the, the angel and, and, and the, the shepherds and the wise men and all this, there's an interesting verse in Luke that says, but Mary treasured all these things pondering them in her heart. And if you look at that word pondering is a Greek word, symbolo, and it means to discuss, to, to meet together. And so all these things happen and, and she's discussing them in their mind, in her mind. Have you ever done that? Where you're going over something and you're going, well, you know, that they said that this was going to happen, but then if that, ha- you ever done that? That's what she's doing. She's going, wow, the angel said this and he's going to be Messiah and I, I wonder what's going on. Well, 12 years later, when they find Jesus in the synagogue, it says he went down with them after they'd come and talked to him. He went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. In other words, he was a good son to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. They just went on living like everybody else. Man, he was in the synagogue with these people teaching. Now what? Discussing in their mind, well, I miss the Messiah. What, now what? Well, you do what any other family would do, except you have Jesus. That's the only difference. And so as we take that, this Christmas story and, 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 and Mary, we kind of fast forward to the very end of Jesus' ministry where we are in Matthew 28, at the Great Commission, Jesus' last words to his disciples. And last week, what we talked about is Jesus came to him and said, you got to think about this. These are the last words. Jesus is going to go up to heaven, and all of a sudden, the disciples are going to stand around and go, now what? These words prepare them for now what? And my prayer is this morning that they will prepare us as well. So what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28 is uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Remember that? We talked about that last week. And we went over a section of scripture that I want to go over briefly again, very quickly. This is all going to come together. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
This is talking about Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Okay, so in, in Colossians right here, it's talking about Je- this is Jesus. He, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. This is it. He's got it. He died. He rose from the dead. Now what? Well, then we looked at the very end of this scripture, and it says this. That he would have, so that in everything, he might have the supremacy. Okay? So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. And so as we get into the Great Commission, we say, well, what now? This is how we act. We act, this is what evangelism is. Okay? I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Okay? Evangelism starts with the authority of Jesus. Living as though Jesus has supremacy in everything. You say, how how do I share the gospel? I mean, think about how paralyzing this statement is. Therefore, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Eleven, ragtag. Now what? Evangelism starts with his authority. And essentially, all it is, is doing what anyone else would do, except you have Jesus. That's the difference. That's the Great Commission. Okay, look in Matthew 28, verse 19. Sorry, next one, there we go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Wow, really? Like go and make this. Think about that. Eleven guys. Here they are. They've gone through. All, they've seen all these miracles, just like Mary. They've seen all this stuff happening. Jesus has taught them many, many things, and they're trying to piece it all together. And it's all crammed in their mind. And fortunately, Jesus said, "Look, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring to remembrance everything I've told you. So don't sweat it. You have to remember everything right now. The Holy Spirit will help you. But He's given them this great, what we call the Great Commission." Go and make disciples of all nations. And I look at that and I go, wow. And it starts with one word that really puts the icing on the cake, therefore. It's like this. I don't know, for those of you who have kids, you talk to your kids and you say, listen, guys, uh, first of all, I pay the mortgage. Uh, I've bought all your food. I've bought all your clothes. Even the gifts you give to your friends, I bought, okay? So therefore, go clean your room, right? You ever do that? I'm the one in control. I took care of everything. The reason you're here is because of me, therefore, and then we we have a thing. Those of you going to school have the same thing. I'm the teacher. I know the material better than you. I'm giving you all the assignments, I know what's going on. I can see the whole year. Therefore, I want you to turn in this paper this week, right? For those of you who are teachers, you understand what I'm saying. For those of you involved in sports, I am the coach. I have been hired by this institution or I'm volunteering or whatever. I know more of this sport than you do. I can make you run around the field a million times until you absolutely puke. Therefore, no more penalties next game or whatever, right? This is exactly what God is saying to us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is what I want you to do. Go and make disciples. And you say, wow, thanks for that huge burden. (laughs) I stink at that. 
But what I want us to see this morning, I want to lift a burden off of us this morning. I want us to stop thinking in terms that we've always thought about when it comes to making disciples. I want us to think about this differently. And, and, And the reason I do is because of this Greek word, go. The verb tense in this translation is not the full picture. If it's translated literally, and I believe correctly, it'll say, therefore, having gone, make disciples. The the, the operative word is not go. That's not the point. Make disciples is the point. Not go. It's having gone. Now that you're there, now that you've moved into that house, make disciples. Now that you've, having married that person, now what? Make disciples. Having gone into that new school, now what? Make disciples. Having gotten that new job and, and, and you go in and you, you, know, you want to make a big impression and all this kind of stuff, now what? Make disciples. See, the idea is how do we act as believers like anyone else would act in that situation except we have Jesus. And he's got all authority over our lives. This is the Great Commission, church. How, how, do, we, how do we share the gospel? How do we share Jesus? We, 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 we act and we, we, we're, 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 we, we, we um, uh, move forward in a way that everyone out, that anybody would move forward in this way. You got a family? Run your family. You're in school? Do well in school. You have a job? Do a great job. We do everything as anyone would do there except... We have Jesus, and he, has, he reigns, reigns supreme in everything. That's the difference. See, we get this idea of going like, oh, God hasn't called me to go. God hasn't called me to go to Haiti or to, you know, I'm not called to be a missionary. That's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is having gone, make disciples. And you go, okay, I got, I got that. Where, where, so what you're saying is, wherever I'm at, I live there, I do what a normal person would do there, except Jesus reigns supreme in my life. Okay, what would that look like for you? It's going to look different for you than it does for me. I'm called to full-time ministry. I could take the go part and go, I went, I left my job, and I became a pastor. Ah, that's not what it says. It says, now that you become a pastor and you've changed your job, now what? I remember, I think I've told this story before, but I just love this story. So my wife and I were called 10 years prior to coming to this church. We were called to full-time ministry, but I was just in a normal job like anybody else. And so we got called to this church. We said yes, and we showed up, and I showed up on Monday. Like a normal, I mean, I work Monday to Friday, typical... So I show up on Monday, and I sit down, and here's my pastor's desk, and I just sit there. I have absolutely no clue what to do. I'm just sitting there. Just, now what? What do I do now? I open up the Bible. I better prepare a sermon for Sunday, I guess. I had no training. I had no nothing. I just was called, and I I went. Right? Now what? Well, what I do is I do what anyone would do in that situation who has Jesus reigning supreme in their lives. I make disciples. Now, so we get to this whole part of making disciples, and you go, well, man, what, what, what does that mean? Here, I want you to understand this, please, church. Re- release the burden of, of 
of this idea that it does not say make converts. It doesn't say make decisions. It doesn't say whatever you do before you leave that conversation, close the deal, okay? It doesn't say that. Now listen, please hear me. Some of you are wired that way and that is what God's calling you to do, okay? But I I just, well, just keep listening. We'll, we'll, We'll develop it. A disciple The full term of a disciple is a believing learner, or you could switch it, a learning believer. There are two elements to being a disciple. One is belief, and one is learning, okay? And I think about this. Think about a disciple. If I I just raise my hand and say, "I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for my sins, hallelujah. Great. That's that's a great part of being a disciple, the belief part. But you're going to die on the vine if that's all you have. Being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, is to learn what he has to say through his word and apply it to your life. You, You understand that? That's very important. Others... You can learn all you want. You can go to school and you can learn everything about church history and Jesus and blah, blah, blah. And you could have PhD and Esquire and everything at the end of your name. And you could be the cat's meow and have a brain like an alien, big brain and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't make any difference if you don't believe, (laughs) right? You can follow Jesus' teaching and sit in the lotus position and do all this kind of stuff, but until you believe that he's the son of God and that you're a sinner and that he died for your sins, it doesn't do you any good. So what we're called to do is having gone, having ended up wherever you end up, in whatever job you're at, in whatever school you're at, whatever family you're in, having gone, you make these believing learners, these learning believers. Now, What does that mean? It depends on where the people are. It depends on where people are at. See, some people, they're not going to believe until you teach them, right? Those are the skeptics, and I understand that. I'm I'm a skeptic uh, by heart, you know, just by nature. I don't, uh, until I learn and learn and learn, and then I believe, and then once I believe, I'm set. And so, so as you're in the neighborhood and as you're at work and as you're in school and uh, as you're coaching that, that baseball team or whatever, there are going to be people that you need to teach. There are other people who just need to believe. You just have to share your life about, man, this is what God's doing in my life. Otherwise, you act like anybody else except that Jesus is reigning supreme. And so our job is to, we're, we're ambassadors, essentially, this is what the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, real quickly, it's not up on the, on the, on the thing there, but I just want to read real quick. Um, verse 18, Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's your ministry. All, every single one of you, your ministry is to, recon, to help people get reconciled to God. And then in verse 19, he says he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. How do you reconcile them to God? Well, they're dead in their sins. Jesus paid the price for those sins reconciliation and then it goes on the very next verse in chapter 20 and verse 20 i don't know did i put that up there i didn't don't worry about it uh we are therefore christ's ambassadors as you as though god were making his appeal through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god an ambassador just shows up in the country 
in, to, to where he's an ambassador representing his country. He does what everyone else does in that country, except that he's under the authority of his kingdom. That's what we're called to do. Having ended up wherever you ended up, with the wife you have, with the husband you have, with the job you have, the house you have, neighborhood you have, soccer team you have, school, classroom, classmates you have, having gone there, having done that, you act like anyone else would who has Christ reigning supreme. We're an ambassador, is what it says. And so we don't make converts. We live in such a way that we, we show what it is like to live with Christ reigning supreme. And we make disciples. And where people need more belief, we help them with that. Where people need to learn more, we help them with that. I want to I read a, a, a story out of Acts chapter 8. And uh, this is so cool. It's a story about Philip. And um, I'm going to start in verse 4, uh, uh, very brief, uh, uh, yeah, chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 4, very briefly, and then we're going to skip to verse 26. But, but check this out, because this is the Great Commission happening right now. Those who had been scattered, having been scattered, what are they supposed to do? Make disciples. They've been scattered. They're under persecution. They've, they've got, it didn't say, go and be scattered. They were scattered, okay? What are they supposed to do? Well, it goes on. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's all they did. They made disciples. They showed the word of God manifested in their life, and they preached the word of God. They believed, and they learned, and they, 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 they uh, figured it out. Now, Philip... In verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Okay? So that's what he did. This is what Philip did. He just, he got scattered. Okay? Believe me, if someone comes in here and they got an AK-47 and they start shooting, I'm scattering. Okay? That's what that means. And wherever I end up, hopefully I'll preach. that No, because I'm running. I don't know about you guys. Right? So here's what happens. So in verse 26, now get this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, okay? Now because it's a man and he's getting directions, the angel has to kind of keep going to make sure he gets it, okay? So he says, go south to the road, the desert road, okay, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, right? I just love that. He's like, Philip, you're an idiot, and uh, so I'm going to, okay? So, so here's, here's what happens. okay. That's what you want me to do? What, and then do what? It doesn't say. So he just goes. It says. So he started out. Like, all right, here we go. What am I going to do? I'll bet I know what he's going to do. I'll bet having gone, he's probably going to live like anyone else lived, except under the authority of Jesus. Here's what happens. Well, and I, and I read ahead. So, um, all right, so he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian. Okay, that wasn't in the beginning of the story, but here he is. He met an Ethiopian, eunuch, which is a fancy word for stay away from the women, okay? An important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 
Isn't that cool? He's just jamming along on his chariot because they have scrolls, okay? And he's just going along, and that's what's happening. So they tell Philip. Philip is scattered, okay? And what does he do? He does what anyone else would do in that situation. He probably got a job, and, what, and he preached the word of God. Anyone else that is under the authority of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit talks to him and says, hey, I want you to go down here. And you say, well, that's never happened to me. Oh, yes, it has. I guarantee it has. And maybe it didn't sound like the heavens opening up, but you know when the Lord's saying, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. You know, some of you have taken jobs because you felt the Lord telling you. You've moved into neighborhoods a whole bit. Okay? But that's all they tell him is just go down this road. So he does. The Ethiopian, he sees this Ethiopian eunuch. And then the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. <laughs> okay. okay, okay, here I, you know, here we are. So you got this chariot going down the, the, the road and the guy's reading it and here's Philip. Just Now what does he do now? He does what anybody would do that's under the authority of Jesus. Listen, then Philip uh, ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, now, all the spiritual guidance has been gone right now. The, 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 um, the uh, uh, angel told him to do two things. Go down the road, go stand next to the chariot, period. Now, having done that, what does he do? He ran up next to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? Oh, wait a minute. He's starting to engage. Okay, engage where? Do you understand a learner. He's hitting him on the learner part. Okay, because the guy's reading Isaiah. And so, so Philip's prepared in the learning part, not in the believing part right now, the learning part. Do you understand what you're learning, uh, what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Right? And, he, and Philip says, I don't know. I better go wait for the angel to tell me what to do next. That's not what happens. He does what any of us would do under the authority of Jesus. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And Philip's going, oh, hello. (laughs) I know that Scripture. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Now listen, what does Philip do? He waits for further instructions from the... No, he doesn't. Then Philip... uh, It says, uh, then Philip began. In the New American Standard, it says, then Philip opened his mouth. He did what anybody would do who was asked a question. Only he's under the authority of Jesus. And with that very passage of Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He taught him. And guess what happens, guys? He makes a disciple. Because right after that, it says this, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? (laughs) Right? Wouldn't you love it if it were that easy? You're like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, there's a puddle. Can you just baptize me there? Right? He got the belief part. Philip starts with the learning part. He gets the belief part. Now there's a a disciple, a believing learner or a learning believer, whichever way you want to go. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. 
Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Okay, now that's freaky. All right, I don't think that's ever happened to us. The eunuch did not see him again. Listen, this is so awesome. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus. Now, can you, I mean, can you imagine if I were baptizing someone in our baptismal and I'm like, you know, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, you've been buried with Christ. You're raised to walk a new life of life. And I'm gone. And all of a sudden I end up in like, I don't know, Hawaiian gardens. <laughs> what do I do there? All of a sudden I got transported to Hawaii. Well, Hawaii, let's, let's, just, make, let's just say Hawaii. <laughs> That'd even be better, right? What do I do in Hawaii? I just got zapped over to Hawaii, right? What do I do? I do what anybody would do in Hawaii. I get some coconuts. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, right? I do what anyone does who's under the authority of Jesus. I'd just be in Hawaii. See, here's the thing, guys. Here's what I want us to see. Sometimes we look at stuff like the Great Commission, and it just paralyzes us, right? We're just paralyzed because we think, I've got to make converts of everybody around me. No, you don't. Having... Being where you are right now, you do what anyone else would do there, except you're under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so by that fact, naturally, things are going to be happening in your life that you're going to be excited about. You're, gonna, you're a disciple, so you're going to believe what, what Christ has done, and you're going to believe what, what he's doing in your life and how he's working, and, and you're going to be learning more and you're going to be applying more and and it's your your life is going to be transformed and in doing so you are having been there and doing that you will make disciples of all nations and next week we're going to look at what that means i want to read one other section of scripture very quickly it's in first peter 3 15 and it says this but in your hearts set apart christ as lord this is exactly what we're talking about in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. He's got the authority. He reigns supreme. It's all about him. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Therefore, what do we do? Well, it says it right here. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. How do we live? We live like anyone else would live except we're under the authority of Jesus Christ. I want to show a quick video of a man uh, who lived this out in every aspect of his life. Uh, Bob uh, Eliff, uh, the guy, the pastor there, passed away two weeks ago. And uh, Pastor Carlos and I were at his funeral um, yesterday. And did you hear what he was saying? You just start intentional relationships. You just live in a way that you would live passionately. You'd live like everyone else lives except for you're under the authority of Jesus. And you have a gospel message that's transformed your life that you want to share because you've been impacted by it. I'm going to read one last section of scripture as the worship band comes back up here. And uh, 
Jesus is praying in John chapter 17, and he's praying, and he's got his disciples around him, and he's praying to his heavenly Father, and uh, verses 1 through 19 is just a great, if you want to get the heart of Jesus, and why he's here, and what he's all about, and how this impacts us for generations to come, read John uh, chapter 17, verses 1 through 19. But he's praying for his disciples, and then he says, my prayer is not for them alone, okay? I, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That's us. So Jesus is saying, I not only pray for the disciples, I pray for this, this generational cycle that's going to happen as they go into the world and preach the gospel. And, and, and more people become disciples and more people become disciples. I want to pray for those people. It's us and the people we're going to speak to. Okay, so he says, I also pray for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. This is a beautiful section of scripture. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. You see what's happening here? Another, Jesus is saying, look, as I have a relationship with the Father and, it, and, and I sanctify myself and, and live a life that's pleasing to my Father, now they will have me. And they're going to live a life that's pleasing to me. And all of us will be one. And you go, man, that is so beautiful. Why? Now what? I mean, why? Check this out. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. How, how do we live, church? How do we, how do we share the gospel? We, we live like everyone else would normally live, except we're under the authority of Jesus. And it has a huge, huge impact. 